The following is a teaching from Irving Bible Church. For more information on how you can join us on a Sunday or take your next step, visit irvingbible.org. Well, good morning, Memorial Day crowd. So good to see you here. If you're in the room with us, I hope you know you do get an extra jewel in your crown in heaven for showing up to church on Memorial Day. So way to go. And I know there's a bunch of you who are joining us online as well. So we're really glad that you're with us this morning. If you have a Bible, you could take it and turn it to Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews 12. We're going to get there eventually, but, but I'm doing something a little bit different this morning. Normally, as you know, we take a passage of scripture and we just kind of work our way, dig deep into one particular passage. This morning, I want to do something different. As we find ourselves here after having finished a sermon series last week and launching a new one next week, I want to offer you some, some thoughts that have just been percolating in my soul over the course of the last number of months. I want to share with you four sentences Four sentences that are not original to me. They come from a book called Canoeing the Mountains by a guy named Todd Bolsinger. But these four sentences are are, are the sentences that I think I have probably said over and over more often than anything else over the course of the last five months. Um, Sentences that I've repeated over and over again to myself. Sentences that I've repeated over and over again to our team. And so I figured today was a good day for me to repeat them over and over again for you. Because these four sentences, while not coming directly out of the Bible, I think are profoundly biblical. And they help us to think about how we face the unforeseen challenges that we inevitably encounter in life. Todd Bolsinger, the author of this book, Canoeing the Mountains, uh, is now a leadership coach. I read Todd's book about five years ago when it first came out, and it's been one of my very favorite uh, leadership books, but actually starting in January, began working with Todd directly as a leadership coach. And I read back through this book again. And these four sentences just really jumped out at me. The book is called Canoeing the Mountains. And the metaphor in the title actually comes from the Lewis and Clark expedition. Lewis and Clark and their core of discovery journeyed up to the headwaters of the Missouri River. They were in search of the Northwest Passage. They were believed to be a waterway that would take them all the way down to the Pacific Ocean. And so they journeyed up to the headwaters of the Missouri River, and they thought, we're going to come over this rise, and on the other side, we'll see the river that'll take us all the way down to the Pacific. And they came across the rise, and they didn't see a river. They saw the snow-capped peaks of the Rocky Mountains. They had their canoes with them. They were river men, and now they faced the unforeseen mountains. We've been canoeing some mountains over the course of the last 18 months here at Irving Bible Church. As we've been navigating life through a global pandemic, there is no book you can read for how to lead a church through a global pandemic. There's no class that I took in seminary, or certainly not that I taught in seminary. It's been like canoeing the mountains, canoeing the mountains as we face the significant kinds of cultural upheavals that we've lived through over the course of the last 18 months. But I wonder if maybe some of you find yourself canoeing the mountains as well in your own personal life, facing unforeseen kinds of challenges, things that you didn't see coming, that you feel unprepared for. 
that can feel overwhelming and uncertain. Maybe for you, it's living as a single person in the midst of all that's gone on in a, a time that is, is increasingly isolated and isolating. Maybe you find yourself single again at a point in your life that you never expected it. Maybe you're learning to, to navigate the challenges of living as a blended family. Or maybe, maybe there's a, a deep fissure in your marriage. Or a challenge with one of your kids. Maybe you're canoeing the mountains in your, in your professional life or in your spiritual life. Or just in life as we live through this complex, sometimes overwhelming season that we're all living through together. The reality is, is that all of us will face those seasons of our lives, those times, those experiences where we come across unforeseen challenges. How do we face those unforeseen challenges. I want to suggest these four little sentences have helped me a whole lot. Maybe they'll help you too. The four simple sentences are first, start with conviction. Stay calm, stay connected, and stay the course. Start with conviction, stay calm, stay connected, stay the course. The first one is we, we begin with conviction. When we, when we find ourselves facing unforeseen challenges, what we need to get us through is a deep sense of conviction, particularly around who God is calling me to be and how he's calling me to respond. We may have no certainty about outcomes, but we can have clarity of conviction. I think about this with regard to the many characters across the pages of the Bible. And you see it time and time and time again. These people of God, they were faithful to God's calling in the midst of unforeseen challenges. And they started with a sense of conviction. I think about Noah, who started building a boat years before it started to rain. Undoubtedly, with many people jeering at him along the way. But he started with the conviction that God has called me to this. I think about Moses. Moses, who went and stood before the most powerful man in all the world and challenged him to let his people go. And that had to be terrifying. And yet Moses found the courage to do it because he started with the conviction that God has called me to this. I think about Joshua, who led the people of God into battle against the fortified city of Jericho facing an army much greater than his. But he started with the conviction that God had called him to be strong and very courageous and that he would give the victory. And perhaps my favorite example in all the Bible is the example of Esther. Esther, whose people were facing genocide. And she alone had access to the king. And yet, for her to come before the king uninvited, much less to challenge him on his decree, she faced the possibility of banishment and even death. How must she have been feeling in that moment? That moment just before she took that first step into the throne room. Her heart beating fast. 
her chest tightening, her her breathing shallow, her, her palms sweaty. And yet she courageously took that first step, believing that God had called her to do so for such a time as this. Start with conviction. Courage is born of conviction. And so as you face whatever mountains you may be facing, the question is, God, who are you calling me to be in the midst of this challenge? How are you calling me to respond? Some of the convictions that have guided us over the last year here at IBC, we we faced a, a global pandemic and we didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to proceed. But one thing we did know is that we were going to try to do everything in our power to protect our congregation, the broader community, and the reputation of Christ. And we faced all kinds of decisions along the way. And at every decision along the way, we sought to let those convictions guide us. We've made decisions that have not been uh, uh, welcomed by everybody along the way. We've received criticism from all kinds of different directions. And yet, courage is born of conviction. We launched a vision at the beginning of last year that we believe God is calling us to become a a multi-ethnic movement of missionary disciples formed in the way of Jesus for the sake of the world. That is a deeply held biblical conviction And yet it's required us to to step into, to address some some challenging subjects with regard to race in our country in the midst of a time where there's a lot going on with regard to race in our country. And the response from many has been overwhelmingly positive, but I was unprepared in some ways for the resistance that this vision would be met with in some circles. And yet, start with conviction. And we move forward from there. As you face the unforeseen mountains of your life, what are the convictions that need to guide you about who God has called you to be and how he's called you to respond? So first, start with conviction. The second one is stay calm. Now that's easier said than done, isn't it? Right? Stay calm is, is easier said than done. This has to do with the idea of how we deal with all the churning that takes place in our lives. When we find ourselves in the midst of uncertainty, it brings about anxiety. And anxiety is just our body's emotional and physiological response to threat. There is acute anxiety, anxiety that comes up in the moment. For example, you're driving down the road And all of a sudden, you find yourself having to slam on your brakes and and swerve the steering wheel. And your heart races and your, your, your breathing shallows. You find yourself feeling really anxious. You might even have to pull over to the side to regain your composure. That's an experience of acute anxiety, and it's actually good for us. It, it protects us from that threat. But then there's the reality of chronic anxiety. Anxiety that just sort of hangs out under the surface and sometimes comes bubbling up to the top. That ongoing experience of anxious thoughts and feelings. Um, and, And we can think of it in terms of some that experience what we might call capital A anxiety. That requires the help of professionals, medical professionals, sometimes um, medication. And there's no shame in that. There's no more shame in that than there is that I take medication for my high blood pressure. 
But sometimes it takes professional help to to, to live through the experience of what we might think of as capital A kind of anxiety. But then there's the reality that there's what we might think of as kind of lowercase a anxiety that all of us at one time or another experience. One uh, book that I'm reading recently talks about the idea, this metaphor of the bubbling cauldron that's just sort of percolating below the surface. I came across this gif, uh, Hermione Granger stirring her bubbling cauldron. Anybody ever felt that way? Right? You know that experience? You find yourself in the midst of uncertainty, some sense of, of fear and, and threat. And sometimes it's just always right there, churning below the surface. I, I can tell you, I spent a lot of time in 2020 stirring my bubbling cauldron. Anybody else? We have been living through, we've been, we've been floating in a sea of anxiety as a culture. And we spend a lot of time stirring that bubbling cauldron. The apostle Paul speaks to this when he says in Philippians chapter four, verse six, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, there's some really important things that Paul says there, but can we just be honest for a second? Sometimes passage like this actually makes us feel more anxious, doesn't it? Because we're feeling anxious, and then Paul says, don't be anxious. And we feel more anxious because we, we think we ought to be able to conquer it. I thought I could do better with this. this. This shouldn't bother me the way that it does. Anybody ever feel this way? Would it help you to know that Paul himself experienced anxiety that back in chapter two of the very same book, Philippians chapter two, verse 28, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi and he's talking about sending Epaphroditus back to them. Epaphroditus, who's been this messenger back and forth and Epaphroditus has been sick and almost died. And now Paul says, I'm sending him back to you and I can't wait for him to get to you because then you'll be glad and I will have less anxiety. Same Greek word that Paul uses. Would help you to know that Jesus experienced anxiety. That when he was in the garden, the night before he went to the cross, he said to his friends, my soul is overwhelmed with, with sorrow to the point of death. That he experienced his, his sweat becoming like drops of blood. This is a, uh, a physiological condition that's referred to as uh, hematohydrosis. This is a physiological response to some sense of threat that caused the capillaries in his forehead to burst and for blood to be mixed with the sweat. That he found himself overwhelmed by what he was about to endure. You know, I think some Christians, well-meaning Christians, would try to Romans 8.28 that feeling out of Jesus. Right? Like Jesus, don't you know, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We try to talk ourselves out of those kind of feelings. Right? We, we feel maybe feelings like that are wrong. They're bad. They're maybe even sinful. Paul experienced anxiety. Jesus experienced anxiety. Those feelings are not wrong or sinful. They're human. There are bodies physiological response to some sense of threat, whether real or perceived. 
the issue for us is learning how we manage that anxiety. We're uh, reading together right now a book with our staff that's called Managing Leadership Anxiety because leadership inevitably causes us to stir the bubbling cauldron. The issue is learning to manage leadership anxiety. And I, I gotta tell you, I bought this book as soon as it came out. But for months, I didn't actually open the book because every time I thought about opening the book, I actually felt the bubbling cauldron, right? You spot it, you got it. I knew that there were some things that, that I needed to do some work on, but I wasn't sure I was ready. But as I've gone further into it, it's been transformative for me. God's been doing some really deep work in this area, my life. I think it's been really impactful for our staff as well. And I love what Steve Cuss in that book, Managing Leadership Anxiety, what he says about this. He says, the goal of managing anxiety is not simply for relief. It's to connect more fully with God. To raise awareness of what God is doing. Anxiety blocks our awareness of God because it takes our subconscious attention. This means that anxiety can be an early detection system that we're depending on something other than God for our well-being. Cuss suggests sometimes our sense of anxiety is because something feels threatened on the inside and it helps us to actually see that we're relying on something other than God to meet our deepest sense of need. Put another way, the question that we need to ask in those moments is what in this moment do I think I need that I don't really need? What in this moment do I think I need that I don't really need, that what I really need most deeply is God? What I really need most deeply is the application of the gospel to this particular situation. What do I think I need that I don't really need? Cuss offers, I think, a helpful little tool for us to diagnose some of this in our lives and and to to respond to it. A simple little fill-in-the-blank sentence where he says, Jesus died to free me from needing blank anymore. What would go in that blank for you? Jesus died to free me from needing blank anymore. Some of the things that we sometimes think we need that we don't really need, some common culprits are things like, I need to be perfect. I need to be needed. I need to be competent or valuable. I need to be significant or understood. I need to be capable to have mastery. I need to be safe to be secure. I need to be happy to try to avoid pain. I need to protect myself and avoid betrayal. I need to be at peace. I need others to be okay with me. And this is one of the big ones for me. What I think I need that I don't really need is for others to be okay with me. That I think that I'm okay when everybody else is okay with me. And part of what I'm learning is how to be okay even if you're not okay even if they're not okay. What is it that we think we need that we don't really need? Jesus died, so I don't need to blank anymore. What would go in the blank for you?
start with conviction. God, who do you want me to be and how do you want me to respond to these unforeseen circumstances? Stay calm, learn how to manage that internal churning that we all experience in the midst of uncertainty. And the third one is stay connected. Stay connected. That as we encounter the the unforeseen mountains of our lives, we need to, to encounter them together. To stay connected with your people. Now, here's the deal. Sometimes the mountains that are unforeseen are people. And the truth is, even then, we've got to stay close. Stay connected. You guys know I'm a bit of a quote-aholic, right? I love quotes. I think in quotes. They just help me put ideas together. But there's one quote that I've used probably more than any other over the course of this, this year, these last few months. Uh, a brilliant quote from Edwin Friedman who says this. He says, the colossal misunderstanding of our time, which big claim about to happen, right? The colossal misunderstanding of our time is the assumption that insight will work with people who are unmotivated to change. If you want your child, your spouse, your client, your boss to shape up, stay connected while changing yourself rather than trying to fix them. Stay close and focus on your own transformation. As we navigate these mountains that we've encountered over the last 18 months together as a church, it's so important that we stay connected. Paul says, make every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Some of you guys know our journey class, our Bible community. They're actually meeting right now in the alcove. Amazing group of our our seasoned saints at IBC. Well, a number of weeks ago now, I wanted to go in and be with that class. I I had the opportunity while we were still um, just doing one service to go hang out with them at 1045. And really my point was to just try to be present and to show them some love, to let them know how much I appreciated them, how much we appreciate their contribution to our church. Well, they had a little bit different plan. They actually wanted to ask some questions. And so they collected a set of questions ahead of time and sent me the questions in advance. And I got those questions. And you want to talk about stirring the bubbling cauldron? I mean, they wanted to talk about some really heavy topics. They wanted to talk about race. And they wanted to talk about sexuality. They wanted to talk about politics. They wanted to talk about culture. They wanted to talk about the challenges of being a multi-generational church. And they were asking some really pointed questions that that I think revealed some simmering anxiety within that group. And what they really needed, I believe, was for their pastor to just come close, to stay connected, to be a non-anxious presence, and to, to be able to address some of these really important, heavy questions. They may not have agreed with every answer that I gave, we stayed connected. So when you navigate the unforeseen mountains of your life, who are your people that you need to stay connected with? Start with conviction. Stay calm. Stay connected. And the last one is stay the course. Stay the course. This is just the call to perseverance, the call to endurance. 
In the New Testament, the, the Greek word is hupomone, hupo under. Mone is a weight, to bear up under a weight. And, and we're called time after time throughout the New Testament to be people who bear up under the weight of life, who live with perseverance. And one of my favorite passages in all the Bible is here in Hebrews chapter 12. Look with me there. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in the middle of verse one. And let us run with perseverance. The race that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. When we find ourselves going through circumstances that are filled with uncertainty, facing challenges that are unforeseen, the, the temptation for all of us is to grow weary, to lose heart, to want to give up. But here the author of Hebrews says, let us run with endurance. A number of years ago, I had the opportunity to speak for a, a youth camp. And, uh, and there was this one guy that was one of the, the volunteers for the student ministry that I was there at camp with. We were in Colorado in the mountains. And, uh, and there was something strange about this guy. I, I noticed it fairly quickly, actually, while we were uh, hiking up the side of a mountain. That here I was, the out-of-shape guy from, uh, from Texas, the flatland. And I'm like trudging my way up and I'm out of breath. And this guy just, he's running up this hill. And he would run up ahead and then he would come back. And then he'd run up ahead and he'd come back. And you could tell he was just in incredible physical condition. Come to find out he was a runner. But not just any kind of runner. He was a marathoner. But not just any kind of marathoner. He was an ultra marathoner. You heard about these things? An ultra marathon. These people run a hundred miles without stopping. I can't drive a hundred miles without stopping. (laughs) But what a great metaphor for life, isn't it? It's not a sprint you and I are in. It's not even a marathon. It's an ultra marathon. Life is an endurance race. And we are called to run with endurance. But did you see how? Did you see the key to how to run with endurance in the passage? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Friends, as you face unforeseen mountains. Where are your eyes? Are they on the mountains? Are they on Jesus? Life is an endurance race. And sometimes the race takes us into unforeseen mountains. Start with conviction. God, who are you calling me to be? How are you calling me to respond? Stay calm. Learn to manage that inner world. To to pay attention to what you think you might need that you don't really need. And cast all your cares on him. Stay connected. Who are your people? How can you stay close? Finally, finally, 
stay the course. Don't give up. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Let's pray together. My Father, we're grateful this morning for um, the reality that when we face those unforeseen circumstances in our lives, that uh, because your spirit is within us, that, that we have your personal empowering presence to face the mountains before us. And we pray that you would help us, whatever it is that we're facing individually and collectively, to be led with a deep sense of conviction of who you're calling us to be and how you're calling us to respond. Help us this morning even to identify what are those convictions that guide me. And help us, Lord, to learn how to manage that inner churning in our lives. To trust in you. And God, help us to stay connected to our people. Help us to stay connected to one another. And God, help us to stay the course, to run with endurance, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And we pray all of this in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Irving Bible Church. For more information on how to join us on a Sunday or take your next step, visit irvingbible.org.